We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike, and a very happy 38th birthday to LeBron James. And so last couple pods, we've been very zoomed in, really on our guards, just a lot of the on-court tidbits. In this one, we're going to zoom out a little bit and talk all things LeBron James. And so... Earlier in the year, um, in particular, we had a lot of discussion on this pod on what LeBron is and is not capable of in year 20. And Eric Spolstra had a comment before the Miami game about how LeBron is is pushing forward the limits, or I'm paraphrasing here, but how LeBron is pushing the limits of human capability in terms of basketball, right? He is by far the most productive player in NBA history in his 20th season. And I always think back to Kobe's last tweet, which was when LeBron passed him on the scoring list and he said, keep pushing the game forward. And I feel like that was a directive in many ways to all of us, but he directed it to LeBron in particular. And so Mike, earlier this year when I was like, I'm not, you know, I'm going to ride the LeBron train till the wheels fall off. To me, he's just one of those special people that come along in like, oh, you know, once in a lifetime type of people. And I'm not sure where his stardom ends, but he's playing the best basketball he has of the season just as he turns 38 years old. And it's a shame that the team is not better because it would be great to be celebrating just kind of really unprecedented play from a guy in his 20th season. And I'd just love to hear your thoughts on LeBron. Yeah. So LeBron, what he's doing at this age and turning 38 today, of course, uh, is totally unprecedented in terms of still being able to, um, to carry a team on, on a certain basis. The whole question that we had, I think coming into the season was, you know, could he do that to the same level that he has done before on both ends of the floor. And I I always thought that was a bit of an unfair way of looking at it because that, that goes from unprecedented to basically physically impossible, um, you know, relative to <laughs> yeah. what we've seen, what we've seen before from any athlete uh, in any sport. And it, it'd be like, well, this isn't, this isn't really a great comp, but you know, Tom Brady is able to do his job at his age, but that's a very specific 
skill set where he's not having to rely upon the same levels of athleticism. He's just getting rid of the ball extremely quickly. Um, he's not really running much. He's mostly just reading defenses and throwing and, and he's not going to have to chase guys on the other end uh, and play defense, you know, and, and that's one, of course, very direct difference between what LeBron is, is sort of having to do. And I think that appreciating what he's doing, the, the ease with which he's scoring efficiently to me and, and, it's just a turnover stuff I think is a little bit more tricky while he's scoring like the last couple of games is assisted turnover uh, stuff has not, has not been great, but he's still, he's still averaging 30 points on 53% from the field while shooting 26% from three uh, in December. And, and so how is he, you know, how is he doing that? Well, it's by, he's still just using all of the tricks of the trade that he has in his size and his body and putting his shoulder into guys and, finishing at the rim and getting into transition and, and even hitting some two point jump shots. So that part certainly remains amazing uh, for LeBron at, at this stage. And at this age, it's just that he needs, I think more help in order for the team to have some success along with that. But he's finding the, this kind of incredible success in that context all by himself. LeBron to me is showing just, he's, he's just, such an unreal player in terms of his ability to be productive from a box score standpoint. Right. And so I think it can often be glossed over Pete in today's NBA where scoring seems to be through the roof where Luca just had a 60 point 20 rebound. (laughs) Like he had, he like, so Luca's 60, 20 and 10. Yeah. Yeah. And he's and he plays point guard. He's not the size of a point guard. Like he's he's closer to LeBron size than he is an average point point guard size. And so he is definitely forward sized. But 60, 20 and 10, those are NBA jam numbers, right? It's just like those are unreal numbers. And so I think that our eyes can gloss over now. At like, oh, here's a 50-point night from so-and-so. Oh, this guy had a 30-point triple-double. This guy put up 40 and did it efficiently. Zion did, did that the other night. And everyone was excited about that. But it's just like when you're LeBron James, it's like, oh, yeah, look at LeBron. 28-8-8. Here he is again. He's the metronome of NBA production. And Mm. to do that in his 20th season really is unreal and so but i think that there's a love there's a difference between being productive and carrying a team and i think that this goes back to some of the comments that lebron was making because no one knows the value of team more than lebron james because Mm -hmm. earlier during his career lebron was often criticized for using his team maybe a little bit too much he was the guy who wouldn't take the last shot. He was the guy who was passing to Daniel Marshall in the corner. And LeBron is like, look, that dude's open, and I've mm-hmm. got two guys on me. The best play is to use my teammates. And you may not think I've got good enough teammates to do that, but I'm saying those are my teammates, and I'm going to use them. And over the course of his career, I think LeBron, even before Durant did this, when he joined the Warriors, it was LeBron who was the most hated player because he was the one who said, I can't win in Cleveland with these guys. I'm going to 
empower myself as a player and one of the best players in the league. And I'm going to join an organization where I'm going to play with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. And then over a couple of seasons with Ray Allen and Shane Battier and then some of and Mike Miller and these other guys who were able to come on board. Right. So no one understands the value of team more than LeBron James, I think. And so to me, Pete, some of the stuff he said after the game the other day. Yeah, we're going to talk about that later. Yeah. So I won't transition to that point yet because I don't want to step on that part of the conversation. But it's like there's a difference between being able to be productive and carry a team. And I think LeBron knows what it means to carry a team. I think he also knows what it means to have a team that is capable of of being carried. Yes. And so and there is a difference there. Right. And so LeBron is he is one of a kind. He is. He is not just once in a lifetime, Pete. He is once in multiple lifetimes, right? Yeah. And so in the history of the league, there has been one of him. Yep. And so how many generations of that? We're talking year 70. The Lakers are celebrating their 75th anniversary this year. How many guys have they seen like LeBron James? One in 75 years. How many generations of players is that? How many fan bases have the luxury to be able to say LeBron is legitimately the third all-time great I've gotten to see in his 20th season? I saw I remember Kareem in 1989. I remember Kobe in his last season in 2016. And now we get to see LeBron in the 2022-23 season. And that difference between production and being able to carry a team, I like that's something, Mike, that I that I've seen him do do more of over the course of the last dozen games or so like i'm dying for this version of lebron to play with that version of anthony davis at the same time for 20 games um and this is something you've really had a keen eye for lately mike is that like when lebron's on the court we're winning those shifts and that was not true earlier in the season in fact he was one of our very worst plus minus players and not only is he producing the box score numbers and that just metronome of production that darius was talking about he is legitimately carrying minutes for large chunks of chunks of time for the majority of the game that that he's in and so that type of production along with uh that that type of impact along with what anthony davis is capable of still gives me a, a glimmer of hope regarding this season despite our record because if you can get those two things going at the same time i think that's still something special and so seeing that from lebron has been has been really great yeah that, and that's kind of what I was getting at earlier is that there's a certain baseline that LeBron has been able to offer this year. And it, it did take a little it did take a little while um, to kind of lock in there. But I also wonder how much of that has been because with Anthony Davis going out, LeBron has had to use some of those bullets that that potentially he was kind of not saving for later in the season, but at mm. least just looking at the whole looking at the whole picture a little bit differently, you know, where where he was going to have to. They're in order for the Lakers to get to where they really wanted to go. This is where we were talking about, okay, well, at some point maybe they need to trade. And then Davis has to bring his level up to a degree that he was. And then LeBron was going to be able to fill in sort of a fill in is the wrong, the wrong way to phrase it for LeBron James, but the whole piece, the whole pieces, all of the pieces of the puzzle fitting together in that way. And that to me is the challenge now is that LeBron having to carry um, this much of the load, especially on the offensive end, but then defensively uh, he was battling uh, in Miami and mm-hmm. he was on, on every single possession. And that's, that to me is the, is the, 
the difficulty moving forward, not knowing about Anthony Davis. And once AD does come back, um, if he does come back in this context, like what's, what's he going to be able to bring? How soon can he get his level back up to the point where you don't necessarily have to have LeBron um, scoring 30 efficiently over 50% from the field every night. And, and that's not to take hope away from what, what that, uh, that picture is Pete, but um, I, that's the way that I think about it in that, in that context, at least. Yeah, man, there's a, there's a hoping for what can be based off of what currently is. And so I remember when AD was playing great and LeBron was out and it was sort of just like, oh man, if we get a version of LeBron that we're seeing now with this version Mm -hmm. of AD, like look out. I think we said that exact thing on a podcast when we were getting closer to LeBron's potential return. And now that AD is out, and we see this version of LeBron, it's just like, oh, man, right? But it's it's that funny thing where it's like, you know when there's like um like like doppelgangers and you're like, oh, well, have you ever seen this person in the same room with this person? And, oh, uh-huh. <laughs> and it's been a while since we've seen like MVP sort of player LeBron play with MVP level player Anthony Davis like and and so it's been a little while since we've seen those two dudes in like like in the same room and they don't look alike from like a a a a, like you'll never mistake them as as twins but from a basketball perspective they are two of the very elite at what they do specifically and they they are the sort of dual threat inside outside players mike that have the ability to sort of threaten the rim and like kill you from the outside in their own way like ad isn't stretching out to three the way that lebron is now but ad before he got hurt it was just like damn look at ad like he still got that step back jumper and you were talking about that from a rhythm standpoint like Oh, mm-hmm. this is the last part of his game that his that has come back, but this is the part that is most reliant on rhythm and, and mm-hmm. just games played and getting his legs under him. And he had had that. And then he started to make the jumper. It's like, holy cow, look at this dude shooting the step back off of the dribble again. And so, Mike, like, I know that it's almost folly for us to continue to like ask for this thing, but it's just like, that's the thing that is so tantalizing still. It's like, look at LeBron at age 38 in year 20, and he's still able to do some of this stuff. Now he doesn't do everything. He doesn't run back in transition as much as he used to. And, and there's not as many chase down blocks and there, and there's not as many like plant that left foot in the ground, spin over the right shoulder and like, throw down a hammer dunk. There's not as many of those. It's more like, oh, let me bump a guy off and finish, finish with a backhanded layup, like on the right, like on the left side, side of the rim. There's much more craft, but look, you don't need to play above the rim to score 30 points. Like LeBron still gets up there. Don't get me wrong, but there's a lot more like, oh, drop step, reverse layup, finish, a little old man game, but those points still count, Mike. And so are we grasping at something that is impossible? here or is it still like because i just want to appreciate this and then still hope like i still want to have hope because we've seen these dudes do it this year well just to zoom out a little bit more on lebron and i I just was pulling up the comps of every other player that was in their 20th season and there's just nobody close in terms of the production so Mm -hmm. that's something that we know but just so we just to establish some of that right so he's averaging basically 28 points the next highest was kobe 
um, at 17.6. But Kobe, as we remember that year, and this is post Achilles, and which which sort mm-hmm. of qualifies that in its own way, but he was shooting 36% from the field that year, right? LeBron is almost at 50%. So then you go to assists. Oh, LeBron is at 6.6. Number two was Jamal Crawford at 3.0, then Kobe at 2.8. Rebounds, LeBron number one at 8.1. KG was second at 6.6. And then like, let's see, like three pointers made LeBron and Kobe both two. Uh, and that's, that's with LeBron still hasn't found his efficiency yet. And then even just in terms of like the other guys that are on the list, right. It's, it's Dirk, it's Kareem. Um, it's Robert Parrish. It's Vince Carter, Moses Malone, Kevin Willis. And then Udonis Haslam is the only name that I didn't mention. And that's this year. And of course, you know, Udonis isn't really playing, right. He's, he's played in five games and averaged seven minutes a game. So you almost you almost don't include him onto the list. And right. okay, so now that that's that's established, that's there's no argument there. LeBron is clearly having the greatest season of anybody that ever played this long. And to bring back Eric Spolstra into this, because I, I just listened to him in person talk about this a couple of days ago, there were signs that it was going to be this way, just based on how LeBron w- was initiating the way that he took care of himself. There were always used to be those stories about the money that he spent in his body. And I was thinking about it in the context of Kobe. Because Kobe was was similarly obsessed with his his and his team's success and the work ethic, and maybe the only the only difference is that like Kobe was still into that kind of push your body as far as it goes, play through stuff. You know, of course, when he tore his Achilles, right, it was because he was playing forty seven minutes a game for the previous <sighs> month leading up to that. He just he never had that that ability, maybe. And this is part of what made him great in his own right to to kind of also factor in the long game of it. Yeah. But then still somehow in and, and this, I don't want this to sound like a, a critique of LeBron as if he's kind of like taking time off. But it, it's I say that almost as a good thing that he's that he's trying to make sure, like make sure that his body gets there in the long run. So it's a complicated little dance there um, with with these greats. And, and that's just separating pulling Kobe out of that um, with LeBron. And you guys could probably speak to kind of Kareem in that context a little better. But I know that like Michael Thompson, I always tell stories about the way that Kareem took care of himself and was doing yoga and all of this kind of stuff. So it's a that part of it of it for me is interesting as well. Like, how did LeBron get to this? How much of it is is what he was gifted with? How much of it is the work and the body and, and all of it combining to, to be where he is today, which is clearly the best player that's ever played this many games. So just a sidebar before I kick it to, to you, Pete, like. I want to bring this up every single time Kareem comes up within these discussions. Kareem played four years of college. Yes. Like Thank Kobe you. and LeBron came out of high school. And so Kareem was 42 in his last season. Like mm-hmm. it was, he was an unreal, unbelievable. He was 41 he, in his yeah, last season. He, yeah, 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 he was an alien. Yeah. yeah. Kareem was an alien. Like LeBron's an alien in his own right, but think of the other big guys. Like Kareem was just a he was just a different dude. Yeah. And and so I just wanted to point that out that that it's just like what would Kareem's production look like, Pete, if he had yeah. like three more NBA seasons on top of that? And not any NBA yeah. season, like a 20-year-old Kareem NBA season, a 21-year-old Kareem and BA season like how many more points that is guy's that? putting up numbers yeah y- yeah, yeah that guy's putting like, up numbers 
anyways, I always appreciate, I always appreciate D how whenever we talk about these things, you, how passionately you argue on behalf of Kareem, because I think that his, um, his unique just talents and abilities and skill, like it, it's easy for time to lose how anomalous they were and how like, oh man, Kareem was just something else like you were just saying. And so I appreciate you always speaking up for that. So let's take a break. When we come back, uh, let's talk about those older years that between 38 and 42, the way that Kareem had. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So in the post-game press conference after the Miami game the other day, uh, LeBron made a couple of comments. And Mike, please correct me if you feel like I'm not paraphrasing this correctly. But first off, that LeBron feels that physically he'd be capable of producing at this level for a few more years. The context of it was Dennis Schroeder in an interview uh, recently said that LeBron told him he wanted to play seven more years until he was 45, right? And LeBron didn't speak to the veracity of that in particular, but he said, yeah, I can be this good for a minute. And it's, but it's more about my mind, right? And my, my willingness and to do it. And one of the things he said is that, again, I'm paraphrasing here, but I want to win championships. I want to compete for championships. And as he says that after another loss on a 14 and 21 team that is very far away from competing champ for a championship, there's a whole conversation to be had about the level that we need to try to pursue that 
at this point. I view LeBron, I think, a little bit differently than most people in that I think that I agree with LeBron. I do think LeBron can be a star level talent for the next se- several years. Uh, you and I had been discussing kind of the capabilities, Mike, of LeBron at this point in his career. And I'd been bringing up like late, uh, the second three-peat MJ, right? And we were we were discussing that and Darius came in, I thought, with the perfect analogy going back to Kareem. He said, LeBron is Kareem in 85, Kareem was the uh, MVP of the finals in 85. I believe I'm remembering that correctly. And capable of hitting very high heights. But also Magic Johnson was clearly the best player on that team. And so I think in this context, AD is the obvious Magic analog. But I'm curious your thoughts on on that, Mike, on LeBron's comments and just the potential longevity as counterintuitive as that is to say about a guy in his 28th, 20th year at age 38. I agree with him that he can play at this level for, for a minute. Oh, man. the Well, first of all, being in the room, I, I know that those comments got and understandably, right, got uh, written about a lot and discussed a lot. And and I assume that even more so than I paid attention to. I think that it was a like LeBron doesn't say anything by accident. Um, obviously, LeBron wants to win. Obviously, everybody there wants to win. And I think that part of that crafting the statement that he did in, in the way, not that it was a craft. Again, I, th- I think that he was being uh, pretty direct that it's it's frustrating for him to still be able to play at this level, um, which, again, we can debate where that where that ranks him in terms of all NBA versus, sure. you know, but at at the level that we're seeing him play at and not have it being leading to wins right now. I, I think that's that's just not something that he expected. And so as as he continues on this path uh, and he continues to get older that's that for him to not concede any part of what he can do physically, I would totally expect. I remember hearing Kobe speak the same way. That's, that's always mm. how somebody with that kind of a mindset and that much ability and that much success um, is going to think, but it goes right back to our, to our central argument of being like the Kareem example and magic. Sure. But who else did those guys have on those teams? Like those teams were so so being the number two on a team that also has James Worthy and then brings mm-hmm. you know Michael Thompson in and has Michael Cooper and Kurt Rambis like and that team and the Boston team were so much more talented even than like the rest of the league the NBA isn't like that anymore like the talent is more spread out and that's the part where I'm I'm still kind of trying to think especially with what the salary structures are and LeBron is on a full max. Right. And and Anthony Davis is on a max. I it just that picture to me gets more complicated than than it was for those Showtime Laker teams without me knowing what those salaries were exactly um, in on those teams. So I'm not sure that I answered that question directly, Pete. I just think that it's it's sort of. There's nobody that like there's nobody that wants to doubt what LeBron is saying from how long he could play at this at this level from a physical standpoint. But I think it's very difficult to forecast even a season once you start to get to this age, uh, what's going to what, what, what it's going to be like at that point. And that's where you get back to the urgency of how you make the roster up mm-hmm. around him to try to maximize on it and how difficult that looks like it's going to be. Uh, for the rest of this season and then who even knows exactly what it's going to look like next year so Darius there's a bunch <laughs> to uh, or, or be, to, to try and pick out within that but um, I just I think that it's a little bit more of a of a complicated question 
than than just expecting that like the physical level is going to stay at a certain point for x long um when when it's more like the mental level how much do i want to keep putting into this physically if it doesn't seem like there's a chance to win a championship no and that was the context of his comments right mike it was like i'm not in this just to accumulate numbers as much as the numbers Mm -hmm. seem important at this point, because every other game, it feels like he's jumping up a list of some sort. I think it was the other night he jumped into the top 10 of most games played. Bro, he's going to pass Magic Johnson in assists and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in scoring in the same season. Like the same guy is going to do that. And once he passes Kareem in scoring, though, that that sort of like is all the numbers you know, that need to be passed like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That is kind of that is kind of like the big one remaining. No, there are no more numbers, right? It's just like, who's the guy who plays for the Angels? I'm going to mess up his name. Trout or Shohei? Otani, right? Shohei Otani, so, yeah. yeah. So th- this is like what LeBron is doing is like if that dude somehow passes Barry Bonds in home runs and then passes Randy Johnson in strikeouts. And you're just like, wait, (laughs) one dude did that? That doesn't seem reasonable. But I think LeBron has always, and this is where, man, this is where we could have a whole pod about this, about the crafting of legacy and talk about comparing LeBron and Kobe, Mike. Kobe, the way that Kobe treated his body towards the end of his career and that exact mentality that you're talking about, that was all a part of his ethos and part of the myth-making of Kobe Bryant. It was, there are no limits. There's the wall, I'm running through the wall. It it was, they had, he had that famous talk about how, yeah, guess what I do? I, I wake up at 4 a.m., and I go train. Then I come home and I do this and I do that. And then I go back at 8 a.m. And then I go train. And then I come home and I do this and I do that. And then I eat. And then at 2 it and then at 2 p.m. I go back. And he's like, year after year after year, I do this and I am surpassing all yeah. of my peers. And I get to a point where I've put in so much more work than them, there is no catching up. And that was mm-hmm. the Kobe ethos. Right. And it was that I will push and push and push and push. And that is the Mamba mentality. It was I will keep going. Oh, ruptured Mm -hmm. Achilles. I'm coming back. I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep going. And that was Kobe. And LeBron, LeBron is I, I see, I see five years from now and I see the idea of I will do everything in my power to make sure that my body is ready when it comes time to produce at the levels in which it needs to be. And all I'm worried about is mentally, will I still want to do it? And in order to want to do it, I'm going to need this to be a certain way. And it's the context of those comments the other night, Mike, that is most interesting to me. It's it's because I remember when Kobe started to talk about the work being work, Whereas he never used to talk about the work being work. The work was the path. And and he talked about this mm-hmm. after his retirement. And at his retirement speech, when they put up his jerseys, he said that. He said that it was like, that's that's the good part. The work is the good part. But at the end there, there were a couple mm-hmm. of times where he alluded to the work as being work. And that's when I knew for Kobe, it was over. It's just like, oh, he's talking mm-hmm. about this the way that people talk about their nine to five. Like, mm-hmm. And that was never this for Kobe. It was the love of the game, right, Pete? 
I would say that that's part of what LeBron was speaking to the other night, right? Like that, like, I want to play for something. I want it to mean something and it's not the numbers. And so that goes to the very core arguments of what this team is going to do by the trade deadline, right? Like there's some very, because one of the things with LeBron playing at this level is we're losing games in large part in the minutes that he's not on the court. And we're because we don't have enough talent when he's not on the court, right? Like the guys are not good enough. And so there is it's this kind of chicken or the egg. You know, are we 14 and 21 because we're no good or are we no good because we don't have the guys because we haven't made the trade, you know? And so I'm just curious about how we approach things going forward with respect to that, Mike, with that, like LeBron as the leader of the team. Being like, hey, I want to win titles. I want to play for something. And within the context of a team that is nowhere near that. And so that gap's going to need to be bridged. So, okay. So the gap's going to need to be bridged. But this is where we get right back to the conversation we've had so many times. And I I think it's still a little premature still um, to start looking into next year. Uh, and the biggest question still remains, like, what's going on with AD? And does he return? And, and if that happens like what's going on with the Western conference playoff picture, um, which is something that we, I was focusing on a lot a couple of weeks ago when AD was playing the way that AD was playing and haven't looked at, well, I mean, I've looked at it as much, but I'm saying we haven't brought it up in the context of the pod yet, but Mm -hmm. like the Lakers right now. So Portland is in the eight seed and they're 18 and 16. And so that's four and a half games up on the Lakers and they're healthy at the moment. Like Utah's 19 and 18 golden States, 18 and 18 stuff's going to be out for a while. Minnesota has slipped, but it's just jumping two of those teams just to get into the 10 spot to have to win a road game to get to the winner of the seven and eight to have to win a road game, you know, to have to get to the the number one seed at that point uh, that I just think that every day that goes by that becomes a little bit more bleak. Um, and, and then how how is that then discussed in the context of what LeBron's doing in March, uh, depending on what that picture looks like because you know I don't think that it's at the point where when Kobe was pushing himself before the Achilles you know that team they had started horribly but they had the kind of talent not once Dwight kind of started actually running screen roll and and playing the way that they had planned on was like they had the idea still that they can they can make a genuine run um in the postseason and and then of course Kobe gets injured and I just don't I don't see it happening this way where the Lakers are, are like fighting game by game in, in March and, and in potentially in April to get to that playing spot when they're trailing by a couple games. Uh, I'll, I'll pause there on it, but it's a, that's still the, that's the context that is always sort of just kind of right in the background as, as the Lakers try to figure out what they're doing with their own situation. I hate that. I absolutely hate that. The idea of if we've got this LeBron and that Anthony Davis, and we're playing someone who's a ninth seed in a road game and we can play credible defense with those guys going, we're going to kick that team's ass. We're going to win that game by 20. And then we're going to beat the, the other team too, because that caliber of team, when those two guys are humming and you've got legitimate talent around them that can play defense, it's a really good team. And we saw that a few times already this season. We hit, we hit pretty high heights a couple of times this season when now on a roster that we've been talking about is imbalanced for the entirety of the season. So the idea, like that's where I'm at is like, give me a shot at the ninth seed in the West. And then I look at all of these teams bunched up together. Who's the team that you look at in the West. It's like, 
Yeah, we got no shot at them. There are a couple of teams I definitely think would be favored, but LeBron and AD cooking at the same time, like, and that's what LeBron's comments are about. LeBron's going to have that level of confidence. Now, if AD doesn't come back, completely different conversation. But to me, like, th- that is an, a daunting future to me, I guess. Yeah, it, well, it is daunting. That's the point. That's my point. They're four games back of the nine seed right now, and AD, we don't have a potential return date on. So, you know, you can't just plug them into the nine seed and assume perfect health. And then they'll they'll make their run. I, I just I think that's a, a bit hopeful um, at at this point. I, I think that you can't not take the shot at. See, I'm more with Pete on this one. Is that I feel like I you mean, have I'm not to saying give... you don't try. I, I'm just saying you got to be also got to be a little bit from from outside perspective. You got to be a little bit realistic but about where like, things are right now. That doesn't mean you don't try to get there. But it's like a self fulfilling prophecy. It's like yeah, oh, there are records bad, but it's like the roster is imbalanced, right? Right, and there's. Like you haven't done everything that you can do to make the team the best team that it can be, you know? No, my position is just more, I'm tired of only looking at a, and I've said this before, but I'm tired of only looking at trades through the idea of like what it's going to be for this season. Like we Mm -hmm. use this idea of like, oh, we're trading future assets and those are the only things that matter towards the future. No, the, the, the things you're, the people you're trying to trade for now, the players you're trying to trade for now, don't they matter towards the future? Right. Like we look at like, oh, the future yeah. picks, the future picks that hurts the future. It hurts the future. And then like, oh, well, the players you trade for, they only matter for four months. Just get the hell out yeah. of here with that reverse logic. Like it's it's those are straw men that you're building. It's just like if you trade for a player, since when are you trading for a player just to let him walk in the offseason or like he doesn't count? towards next year we have this idea that cap space is the only way to build your team or free agency and all of this other stuff and i get it those things matter too and i'm not trying to make it sound like there's only one way to build a championship team but i'm not fond of the very narrow scope in which arguments are being made around why a trade should or should should not be made that's not to say that that's what mike was doing i'm talking about more the global picture of these ideas ar- around what the lakers can or can cannot do for me pete it, i am more of though like part of the reason you make a trade is because you believe in the people in the room the best people that are in the room, the players, right? Like the LeBron, the, the AD, that you believe in them to actually do it. Now, there mm-hmm. is, t- on the other side of that, there is all of that uncertainty that Mike spoke about, specifically around AD. And making a decision in this environment with AD being out of the blue there, the Mike. You can't, it, yeah, you can't make that decision now. Well, I'm saying whether you can or cannot make a decision, it's... It's a very complicated decision, Mike. And so I understand that side of it. But please jump in here. Well, yeah, I just I think we're talking about two different things now. The making a trade, whether for this year or for next year. I'm any any type of trade that goes out there. And if you're an NBA GM or you're running a team or an assistant GM or whatever, and you're making calls with other teams, you're it's just like if you're like a super obsessed fantasy owner, you're always looking at everything. So every Every possible trade, how does that help the team this year? How does that impact the team's salary cap next year? All of those things, of course, have to be factored in, and you always have to balance trying to be as good as possible for this year. But then if this year is going a certain way, that has to impact the way that you're thinking about the next season. So that that's all aside, and, and nothing should ever be done except to try to make the Lakers better, um, both in the short and the long term there. So there's no like giving up or quitting in that context, and, and there's none of that for the players or the coaches that are playing 
I'm simply trying to look at it like a Laker fan on the outside. I am not a Laker fan. I am somebody that covers the team. My life is better when they win. I'm just trying to be realistic in approaching where they're at right now with this year, with this roster, with the injuries that they have, with the seemingly lack of potential um, great trade partners that don't exist at the moment. But that is mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with how the team should be playing. They should be fighting to get every position higher that they can so they can get up to the nine or whatever that might be. Um, I, I'm just trying to be a little bit more realistic about about what the picture is for this year. And of course, the biggest reason is Anthony Davis's foot like that. Yeah. That is the underlying element of all of this, even though I know we we started this talking about LeBron. Yeah. So that's just to be clear about my position on that, Mike, like if we get news that AD is out for the year, God forbid, then then, yeah, there's there is no like Darius, you brought up the idea of do you believe in the people in the room? I do. I do believe in LeBron and AD. Now, are they going to be healthy? I don't know. I don't know. They haven't been over the last three years uh, in in a way that would allow us to compete for a title. And that's nobody's fault. It's just how it's been. But in terms of are those two dudes capable of carrying a good supporting cast? Like, yes, the rest of the team does have to be good, but we have enough flexibility to be able to, I think, get to the point of being a good team. And we even touched on being a good team a couple of times earlier in the season. So I very much do believe in those people, but it's contingent upon Anthony Davis being healthy because if he's out, then I do think that you have to start looking more long-term toward next season and so forth. I think that that's the case too. And I don't want to be naive around what the rest of the season can or cannot be with with Anthony Davis up at, with his status up in the air. But I want to bring this conversation back to LeBron because LeBron is the one who's playing right now. He is the one that we're mm. sort of celebrating or discussing within the context of him being 38 and in his 20th season and all of the production that that he's he's doing. I was just looking this up when you were talking about the on-off stats and everything else. So over the last 10 games, the Lakers are four and six. Overall, they are minus 2.5 points per game, like in the box score, right? And so over the course of those those 10 games, they've basically been outscored by 25 points. LeBron, he's an average of plus 6.7. And so what I'm saying about LeBron is though, is so he's a plus 6.7 over that stretch. And it's just like every game, they're winning. All of the shifts that LeBron is on the court. And so my mm-hmm. point is, regardless of what happens with Anthony Davis, I'm trying to find and build a team that can be more competitive in the minutes in which LeBron is not on the court. Obviously, Anthony Davis has a big part to do with that. But another big part of that is that they're playing a bunch of guards around a big guy who can't protect the rim. Man. Most of those other minutes that LeBron is not on the court. So to Mike's point about always trying to build the best team possible and always trying to fight on the court, I also think that a part of the calculus for me is why are we only discussing, not we, the ro- I'm talking about the royal we, why are we always discussing this within the context of like only what it means for five years down the road around a draft pick? When I'm actually just trying to be like, what's the best team that we can build for this season? Because this yeah. ain't it. This ain't yep. it. This actually isn't the best team that we can build this season. It is not. And, and if you look at all of the moves and a lot of the conversation by the decision makers who have gone on the record and talked about this a bunch, it was all within the context of like, we actually understand that we can improve this team. And we are constantly exploring those options in order to 
make this team the best that it can be in order to do right by this dude who is 38 years old now today and in his 20th season. Rob Palinka name dropped LeBron and said, when you have a guy like this, it's basically a dereliction of duty if you're not trying mm-hmm. to do everything you can in order to build a championship team. And mm-hmm. when LeBron went up in front of the assembled media after the Heat game and said, I want to compete, those are the same ideas. He's reinforcing what Rob said, mm-hmm. right? And so all I'm looking for is to try to figure out when is that bridge actually going to be built? And if it's going to be in the offseason, then it's going to be in the offseason. But Man, I hope it's before that. Personally, this is just me talking. I hope it's before that because I want to see them give this dude a chance. Give him a chance. Mm-hmm. Kobe didn't have a chance. He was playing yeah. on a skinnier leg based off of a, a ruptured Achilles. He pushed his body past the limit. He shot two free throws on a busted leg that he couldn't even walk on in order to basically leave it all out on the court in a Viking funeral. Right. LeBron is like, look, I still got it. I'm showing you every night. We are a plus seven every night that I play in the minutes that that I play. So give this dude a chance. I know AD is important, too. I get it. I get it. And I know to reach the height of the heights, the highest level, number 18, hang it, run the parade. You need AD. I get it. But I'm talking about giving this dude a chance because I think they owe it to him. Like, I just think that they do. That's just my two cents on that. Amen, man. Amen. All right, this was a passionate times in in Lakerland. We got a game tonight against uh, Atlanta. Everyone have a happy and safe new year. We will catch you on Monday. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. Seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble. And banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.